0: If we instead look at everything as, this is my responsibility. How can I be the most responsible? How can I say, okay, this happened? How can I take responsibility for it? Because when we say we take responsibility for it and the way that we're responding to it, then we can do something positive. How can I solve this challenge? How can I use this to grow?
1: Welcome in, lovely and loyal listeners. You are listening to The Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, alongside my pal, the Venezuelan persuasion, Sergio Patterson. All right, man, I'll let you get away with that. What's <laughs> up, everyone? And everyone's favorite attorney, Matthew McElroy. What is up? What are the most common traits of the most successful people on the planet? We all want to be successful. But what is it that separates all of us from the ones that are just killing it, radiate success, and the ones that just, it just seems unattainable? For today's episode, we have CEO Steve Werner joining us, and he owns a very successful coaching business. And in his coaching business, he has helped lead people to 14.6 million in sales, and he is the host of the very popular Impact. Income and Influence podcast, where he interviews entrepreneurs, successful individuals, and helps them with their stories, their struggles, and their breakthroughs. Today, he's going to be sharing the top three traits that leads to success. He's interviewed over 250 millionaires. So Serge, Maddie, for you guys, what have you seen from the people that have done amazing things and just seem to radiate success?
2: I would say probably grit, right? That never quit, ride or die mentality. Like you don't let obstacles get in your way. Because I mean, I think we've talked about it so many times that so many people, one thing goes wrong, they to suffer one failure or some obstacle gets put in their way and that, that's, that creates like a dead stop for them and it kind of ends there. And I think the ability to overcome those things and keep going is, is probably one of the, the most of the traits I see that a lot of those successful people have.
3: Yeah, I was thinking... Uh... This is going to sound cliche, but just like hard work. Like I've noticed when I'm putting in work and I know I'm like giving everything, typically the outcome is better, right? So I think like, yeah, grit, building on that, hard work, just like showing up, consistency, all those things. And then like being born rich is nice also. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress. We're going to have Steve Warner on, CEO.
1: Uh, Steve, you're the man, the expert on this. Do you agree with Sergio and Matt on their comments?
0: Definitely. Man, there's a lot to unpack just in those two. One of the best interviews that I ever read that was like an aha for me was back. You guys might've heard of Tony Robbins and the money book, right? I'm guessing you might've read that or you have some clients who've read it. He did an interview with the CEO of JP Morgan Chase. And at the time, so I read this, I think it was probably 2014 and I, I was just getting started in my business. I started my business in 2013. And um, what she said, he said, it was towards the end of the interview in the book. And he said, at what point did the anxiety and the fear around money go away? Like you're making millions of dollars a year. Her salary at the time, I think was like four and a half million dollars a year. And she said, the fear never goes away. She said, when you make more money, you have to learn how to manage money better she's like, I worry about how I'm teaching my children to manage money. I worry about the money that I have. Am I making the biggest impact? Am I using it responsibly? She's like, I don't worry about going out to dinner, but it's a different thought process. right? It's a different fear. And then she also said, this is the part where grit comes in. She was like, when you have a lot of money, yeah, you don't worry about the car payment, the house payment, but she was like, you can still have really bad days. She was like, just so you know, most people that are in my role, we see lawsuits all the time. She was like, I get one to two lawsuits a week in my inbox. And like, you don't think about that kind of stuff, right? Like it's a different level. And with different levels, as you level up in business, as you level up in making income, you have more and more challenges and you have a different skill set and you have to, one of my favorite, sayings by an entrepreneur. I don't know if you guys know Russell Brunson, CEO of ClickFunnels, $150 million a year. But one of the things that he said, he had a really bad day early on in his business. He had about 40 employees and they weren't going to be able to make payroll. He was struggling to like figure out payroll because they were growing faster than they thought and he was like, all I wished, he was like, I wish I had a boss that could fire me and end the pain. But as the CEO, he was like, all that weight is on my shoulder and there is no way to escape from it. Like I'm going home at the end of the day. He, he it was around Christmas. He was like, I went home and I had to hang up Christmas lights for my kids so my kids could have Christmas. And I had to dig deep to like find the energy to hang up Christmas lights, knowing that like 40 employees weren't going to get paid unless I came up with a way to pay them. And I I needed to make money materialize. So like the grit factor, huge, you have to have grit and you have to have, this is the, this is one of the things that I talk about specifically, you have to have the ability to compartmentalize the emotional side of that. Because if you can't, that's where real grit comes from, right? Like that's what I see it as. I feel the emotion. I feel the pain. I feel the suffering. I feel the anger. I feel the frustration. And I can put it over here and I can think clearly and come up with a solution to solve it, right? That's what business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs, that is what they do better than anything is they solve problems that make money. But if you're constantly worried and fear, you've probably heard like feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Ha ha ha. Like, but to be able to put that in a box, do you think Gary Vee, like I like to point to Gary Vee, not particularly my brand of entrepreneur, but if you think he got to where he was by not learning to solve problems, and if you don't think he sees huge problems on his plate every day that he has to think rationally about and overcome, that's, that is one. So the grit is a huge point. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. We talked to somebody earlier in the podcast, getting back up, right? Getting knocked down, getting back up. I think if you've ever played sports, you're going to lose a lot, right? You're not going to win every single day. So that's what stands out to me. I think it's huge.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I've seen most common trait is the bad stuff happens to all these people that are trying to do big things, but it's all about, are you going to tap or are you going to push through it? And so, yeah, absolutely. And from all the people that we've interviewed on the podcast, we've heard that what really differentiates them and their success is yeah, they had a turning point where they thought they were, everything was going to collapse or they were going to give up on it and they just pushed through. And so, yeah, I totally agree with that.
2: We've kind of seen like all spectrums with some of of the people that we've interviewed. We've seen people that have really made some big impacts after nine months. And then we've seen people that have grinded for 10 years and and haven't, you know, or then just started to get it on year eight or nine. So it, it comes in all forms what these different entrepreneurs are experiencing now. And, and, and having that grit and everything and being that ability to stay the course, despite whatever obstacles come up, is, is just huge.
0: Yeah. So I wrote down the three rules. These are kind of the things that I talk around. One of the biggest ones is, I mean, Jocko talks about it, right? Extreme ownership. That's one way to look at it. The other way is like, I can't control what happens. You just said like bad things happen to every entrepreneur, right? Bad things happen to everybody. We can't control 100%. Of what happens to us if we go out and we try to do that we're going to lose our minds right we're going to try to micromanage everything the one thing that we can control though is how we respond to the things that happen to us there's reaction and responding reaction is the emotional like gut level like instantaneous but we can train our- ourselves over time to instead of having a gut level negative or positive response to think about what is the ap- appropriate response, right? Reaction versus response. And then how do we not let it negatively affect us? We've probably all seen people that have something bad happen to them and they immediately go into like the worst place possible. They yell at people, they scream at people, they throw things. That's not, that's not solving any problem, right? We've also seen people that are stuck in quote, like victim mentality. Oh, I can't believe this happened to me. Oh, this happened to me. Oh, the world is against me. If that's constantly how you see things. We all know people like that, right? Yep. The, if we instead look at everything as this is my responsibility, how can I be the most responsible? How can I say, okay, this happened? How can I take responsibility for it? Because when we say we take responsibility for it and the way that we're responding to it, then we can do something positive. How can I solve this challenge? How can I use this to grow? Tom Biu impact theory. One of the biggest things that he says is like, whatever happens to me, what is the positive that I can take away from it and move forward with? How can I use this? How can I build a story out of this? This is one of the things that I tell people. If something challenging happens to you, it is a chance for you to grow and then you have a story. Which always works in marketing materials, any kind of marketing materials, any kind of social media, anywhere you're speaking on stage, you need stories. Now you have a whole bunch of
1: them. I just as human beings, think you touched on this, but you know the self pity and the blame game, right? That's where a lot of us turn to. Even myself, I, I catch myself doing it. What do you recommend when people are in that dark place where they start doing that? Like, what's how do you pull yourself out of that?
0: So. There are a couple tools specifically. One, the first thing is like, know the signs when you're starting to do it, right? I One of the things that when I first heard this, I was really resistant to it. I had actually just paid somebody about $30,000 for some work and it didn't come through the way that I thought that it should. And my business coach at the time, this is probably 2015, my business coach at the time told me like, you have two ways you can view this. You can view it as a learning and growth experience, and you can learn the lesson that the world is trying to teach you, which is a $30,000 lesson, or you can be angry and frustrated and get nothing out of it and make the same mistake later on. But he said, let's look at first, what could you have done to make this not happen? I could have done better due diligence. I could have set up the contract different. I could have taken ownership of a lot of different pieces of it. Like we made a whole list. The second piece though, was he said, what were some of the warning signs? And this is when we get in that negative place, which is more about what you were talking about, Lee, like that place where I had a day probably two months ago where I got up in the morning and like some stuff wasn't going right. And I just started on that downward spiral. And what was taught to me was give it 30 seconds, get it all out. And then you literally have to say, I am dismissing that. And I say this out loud, it sounds cheesy, but I'm dismissing that and I am doing this instead. And it doesn't get get rid of everything, but if you catch it up here before you're way down in the pit, because once you're down in the pit, like you just kind of have to go th- Through it, right? Like you might have to call, cancel some calls. You might have to take a moment and do some meditation. You might have to go for a run. Going for a run usually works really well. If you want to be physical, maybe you go to the gym and you do some heavy lifting, something that is like hard and gets your blood flowing. It also releases endorphins. But the biggest thing is, what can I take away from this? So this actually steps into one of the other points that I wrote down. Three traits of highly performing entrepreneurs first they take responsibility for everything second is they develop a growth mindset so a growth mindset is different from just learning from everything that's driven by ego if you let your ego go and instead you a true growth mindset says i don't need to know everything i don't need to look like the source for everything and this is I have a pretty big email list. I talk to a lot of people, but admitting that I don't know everything took me a little bit because in the beginning, we have that inferiority complex or the idea that uh, imposter syndrome, right? An imposter syndrome usually drives us to overcompensate. If instead we just say, I don't know, but I'll find the answer. that is, That comes from a place of power, right? And we all, I'm sure you guys have all dealt with somebody that you like and trust that they're highly competent. And one of the signs of that is when you ask a question and they don't know the answer, instead of trying to BS it, which we can all tell is BS, they just say, you know what? I don't know, but I know the right person to ask. Let me get to that. I'll get back to you. That's like a real growth mindset, right? Like How can I learn from this situation? How can I figure something out? Who's the smartest person that I need to go ask so that I can integrate that into what I'm doing? Going back to, though, being at that pit of despair, it comes with saying, maybe I'm not the best. Because a lot of times that pit of despair moment is I failed. And it's not you failed or I failed or anybody failed. It's that this moment, that thing that we did was a failure right? But that doesn't mean that you are a failure. It doesn't mean that they're a failure, whatever is going on. That's the big separation. But it usually, if you really look at that moment comes down to, we feel like we're being judged by other people in the world. We feel like we look like a failure. What are people going to think of me? I've blah, 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 like whatever's going on. If you let that stuff go and you just say, you know what? I didn't do this right. I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to figure it out. And tomorrow is a new day. I can fix what I've done. And it doesn't matter that this episode was a failure or this thing was a failure, whatever it was. Steve, I don't know if I, that's helpful.
3: Yeah, it is. I think mindset's huge. Love that you called out the growth mindset. I was looking at your bio and you, we talked about victim mentality earlier and you've overcome a lot. Adopted single mom, You started working at age eight to buy a pair of Jordans. Where did all that come from? Like, I think that's huge right there. Like that's, you're kind of talking the talk or walking the walk or whatever. So where did all that come from?
0: I was really lucky. Like, yes, I had a single mom, but we didn't have like my dad was around. I had a normal, I would say middle, maybe lower middle class upbringing. I was a latchkey kid if you're in your like late 30s early 40s you remember what that means. But I think my mom was always an optimist. She always said, "You can do whatever you put your mind to." I think having that, so the Jordan story, we were in the mall and we went to the finish line and like they had the brand new Jordans. It was like night it was like when Jordan was blowing up, right? Like early 80s. And I think they were a hundred bucks. I think they were $99. I don't know if that's right, but that's what sticks in my head. And she was like, there is no way I'm spending hundred dollars on shoes. And I threw a fit. Like I just went like full atomic, like meltdown. <laughs> and she was like, I like, I remember it. Cause I remember, I can remember the bench that we were on. And it was like a bench outside of the finish line. She was like, if you want those shoes, you need to go get a job. And you need to pay for them yourself. You need to learn the value of money. And she said it in passing, not thinking that I would go get a job. So I went home, and I. You're like, eight literally, at the time, right? You're eight, eight, eight years old. Okay. Eight or nine. It would have been. I'm pretty sure I was nine. I was born in '77. I'm pretty sure this was '86 because I think that's when Jordans came out. But the like, I went home and I got the lawnmower. Like I remember. Dry, like I, I don't remember. Perfectly, but I just remember like getting home and getting the lawnmower and going and knocking on the neighbor's door and being like, Do you need your yard mode? I think I got five bucks. But within a day, I had enough money to go buy the Jordans. And my mom was like, I remember because she was like, Well, you have to go buy gas for the lawnmower. So I went and got the gas can and I walked to the gas station and I got gas and I walked back. And she was just like, I don't think she knew. By the time I was 12, I had like 5K in cash under my bed in a shoebox, And she didn't know it was that much. She found it and she was just like, nobody should have this much money at your age. And I was like, I'm mowing yards and like raking leaves and knocking on doors. And she, put, she took the money and put it, she was like, I'm taking this and putting this into savings for your college, which I was kind of upset. She left me a couple hundred bucks, but then I went and bought a safe. I was like, well, I'm going to buy it a safe. <laughs> anyway, all of that aside, you asked like where that grit and determination came from. I think it was my mom. Like I never wanted for anything, right? We had food on the table. I had clean clothes. But she said, if you want, when she said that, that like sparked that thing. Well, then I was probably somewhere in there. She was like, if you want a car, you're going to have to buy a car. Well, like my first car was a 64 Mustang that I paid for in cash. And then I wrecked. Two weeks later, like totaled like a $12,000 car. Well, the next car I went and bought in cash as well. I was like, cool, let's go find another car. And I had the power to do that because I had income. And I don't think, I remember my manager, I worked, do you guys remember Ponderosa? I do not. Golden Corral, like cheap steakhouse. Ah, okay.
3: Yeah. Corral sounds familiar. Golden Corral. Okay.
0: so it's, it was like 10 bucks and there's a salad bar in the middle and then you get a steak. I started waiting tables when I was 15. I read how to win friends and influence people. I put that to work waiting tables. I remember my manager sat me down. I was 18. I was in my senior year. I, was, I played soccer. That was the only sport that I played and I worked all the time. And my manager sat me down one day when I was counting tips and I would count tips because we got them in cash and I would stack them. And I had a cool trick where I could push on the stack and I could get within two or $3 of how much was in the stack. But he looked at, I, I kept a ledger. I had a little ledger book that I would keep with my staff stuff. And he asked how much I made in the month. And he was like, you made more money than I did. I was like, well, you got to hustle. Like it just, it, you ask the question. There's a lot that goes into that, but we have, we are told that we can do anything we want. I think that is 99% true. If you're willing to put in hard work, determination and take repetitive action. So you called out Sergio, you called out like sometimes the game takes two or three years to become successful. Sometimes it takes 10 years. The joy in this journey though, is a little bit of growth every day. And it is, it's a never ending marathon, right? I mean, I don't know where you guys are at in all your personal businesses, but I'm like, when I started my business, my goal was in 2013. My goal was to replace my corporate salary, which was 110,000. Once I hit that, my goal was, can I double that salary? Then my goal was, can I put away an extra $200,000 a year? Can I like, grow and i there's no top of the mountain that's the secret right When you look at I, i'm a tony robbins fan you look at tony robbins he's doing like 100 to 150 million a year he's donating over 20 million to charities like his like you want to talk about denting the universe like i love steve jobs quote but you want to talk about like really changing something he's on a mission and he'll tell you i haven't reached the peak of what i'm doing he, I mean, the man's on tour 220 days a year. He owns an island. He could go sit on a beach. And instead, he's out grinding. Doing, I mean, he loves it, but it's still work, right? I don't know how all that lands, but that's the... That
3: was all gold. I mean, that was another mic drop moment a free retiree show.
0: <laughs> I don't know I, if I, they can retire from it, but...
3: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like... Everything you're talking about to me is like, it's consistency, like great, all the things you talked about, all those traits that make sense. I mean, it's not easy. It's hard waking up every day and doing it, right? If we're being, re- if we're being real, right? It's not easy.
0: Well, okay. So this is, I love that you brought that up. It's not easy, but I want you to name anything that you got personal satisfaction from that was easy. And personal satisfaction... And like that moment where you're like, I did something meaningful. I work all the time. I don't believe in balance. I think balance is the biggest bullshit lie that has ever been sold to us by like the whatever crowd is in right now. Do you need work-life balance? No. If you were doing it correctly, I work all the time. I go out to dinner with friends. I talk about work because I love what I do. I talk about other shit. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but the staple yeah, of I, our oh, show. <laughs> I talk about, I mean, I talk about other things, but I am always on. And one of my, one, a guy that I absolutely love, and his name's going to totally blank out of my mind right now, Dan, but he coaches SaaS companies. He takes SaaS companies from $1 million a year to $10 million a year and helps them become sold. He's Canadian. I don't know why I can't think of his last name, but Dan said, like, we were having this conversation and he stood up, we were at a small event and he stood up and he's like, hang on a second. He gets to the whole room's attention. And he was like, if I was going for a gold medal, if I got up every day at 5am and went out running and came back and ate a specific diet and trained half the day and read books by people who had mastered the sport, everybody would clap and cheer me on. But what happens when I say I'm going for $20 million this year? People start telling me, oh, money's not going to make you happy. Or you're working too hard. You need to have work-life balance. It was like, fuck that. I'm going for the gold because that's who I am. And I know, and he's the same way. I mean, he's had like a $250 million exit. He's like, I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the impact. And if I can help. 50 businesses grow from $1 million to $10 million. I'm having massive impact. And that's what I'm here to do. It doesn't mean that I can't have fun. He was like, I love every minute of the grind. Do you think Gary V like you don't love every minute, right? We have to do things that are hard that we push on. Yeah. But if you've trained for any sport, like, I, sports is such a good comparison, right? I played soccer. We ran, like, suicides all day long. We ran around the field. We practiced kicks. But when we won a state title, like, you did something meaningful. And if it was easy, you get bored with it. Like, how many of you, I can compare this to video games really easily. How many of you, like, played Grand Theft Auto back in the day? I did, yeah. <laughs> GTA great was game. great. Right. But then the minute you got the cheat codes, you're like, oh, I blew a few things up. Now I'm bored. It's over. And if you had a cheat code for life, this is why you see uh, there are a couple of books out there about millionaires who won the lottery and they immediately become depressed because what happens? They don't know how to manage the money. And once you buy all the toys, what do you do? Do you like what gives your life meaning? And it's the quest to do something that has impact. That's, See,
3: the, the other thing I was thinking as you were talking was the entrepreneurial grind also isn't for everyone. It's And that's okay, right? A hundred percent. I think that's the other reality people need to to get clear on. It's that what you're describing is amazing, but that's not for everybody.
0: Definitely not. It is definitely not for everybody. And you can... If you heard me say some stuff and you're like that's not for me, that's okay. That is 100% okay. But for somebody that is an entrepreneur, if you're trying to like fight internally with yourself, it creates a huge emotional dissidence. But it 100% there are some people that love to put in their 30 35 40 hours a week and they love to come home and watch some TV and relax and that is totally okay. You can have that I don't think that's, maybe that's the people on your show. That's definitely not me and the circles that I run with, yeah. but the, it is totally okay as it should be.
1: Yeah. But it's being self-aware is, is a huge part of success and you can be successful in any avenue. One thing that I see uh, entrepreneurs that don't have what you're talking about, continue this This bloodbath of a journey, where they don't have it, they don't have it, and that's okay. Sometimes you just got to be realistic.
0: In the last year and a half since COVID, we've seen a ton of people enter the digital marketing space, and like, I want to, I, I don't want to work for the man anymore. I want to go find my thing, right? I want to go be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business owner, and nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm applauding them, but what I think we're going to see happen. And we're starting to see it already. I had a few conversations this last week at an event I was at. People are realizing that it's not just like, "Oh, cool! I put up a website and now I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a year." Like that doesn't—that's not how it happens. There's not an overnight success. Like my first year in business, my goal was to replace my income. Um, I made half less than half my income. My first year in business, I made about 45K. My second year in business, I replaced my income, but I was also working 70, 80 hour weeks. And that's like the reason employees like you can go work 40 hours a week. You're going to make a take home of 60, 70, 80K, whatever you make, and you're going to get to go home at the end of the day. And that's kind of the difference. And I think people that entered this space, right, COVID hit, they started working from home, Then they were like, I could do this. I could run my own business. I don't want to work for the man anymore. I want to do something I'm passionate about. So they start a business that they're passionate about and they realize like six months have gone by and I've made $2,000 and like, I don't know what to do. And I have to like, when you're the boss, when you're the CEO and it's your business, suddenly you've got you, you like, you're everything, right? So you don't just get to do what you want to do. Let's say it's baking, right? I mean, the e-myth is the perfect, like if you haven't read the e-myth, go read the e-myth, Michael Gerber. He starts off by talking about Susie the baker. I love to bake. I'm going to open up a bakery. Well, then she has to worry about getting all the supplies there. She has to worry about renting a space. She has to worry about marketing. She has to worry about paying herself. She has to worry about insurance. She has to worry about all these different things. Her email box now has 500 emails a day. That's a much different world than I'm going to go work for a bakery make some cupcakes and yeah, it might not be great, but at the end of the day, I make enough to get by and I have free time. That, that There is nothing wrong with admitting that's what you want to do. I think we're going to see like a swing, right? Over the last six to eight months, we've seen a lot of people enter the space and now they're starting to see how much of a grind and how hard it is, And regardless of how pumped up everybody wants to get them. Some of them are going to go back to being employees and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that some people it'll, they'll be much happier there because it's grit back to, I think the word of this episode is grit to Matt's point, but like you have to have grit and you have to like, uh, did you guys all play sports?
3: Soccer, man. Yeah. yeah Sorry. Lee and I played soccer. I was much
0: yeah, better. Matt, that was water great. polo, right? Yeah, oh, wow. Polo. Dude. Water polo is like the sport of suffering. <laughs> that <laughs> is like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Like I, I tried it twice and it, like treading water, throwing, like suffering. Right. But it's also all sports have that, but it's like, you have to learn to love that, like push. How hard can I push myself? How hard can I grind today? And like, you have to love that. One last thing that I'll talk about is the emotion of fear and excitement of joy and satisfaction versus stress they are the same feeling in our body like same feeling we just put a name to it fear think about i don't know if you guys have sky gone skydiving or done maybe race car driving like i i race cars as a hobby those things create fear and adrenaline or excitement and adrenaline the feeling is almost identical it's how we label it in our head. And we can tell ourselves, and I, I, I believe this like to the core of my being, entrepreneurs tell themselves that they love something so much that they are willing to grind for it. And they, when the going gets tough, when we have that moment that's like the gut check, right, where you just want to throw it all away and do, go do something else, the reason that we stay the course is because the story that we tell ourselves is this has meaning and I enjoy it. And there's something great that's going to come out of it. Michael Jordan, when he practiced every day for a summer to get to make the varsity team right after he got cut, he didn't enjoy getting up two hours before everybody else and working out, but he did it because he saw the outcome and he taught himself to love that. I think every successful entrepreneur, business owner, founder, millionaire, multimillionaire does that every day.
3: This was an awesome episode. Lee, I, do, I don't know if you have any other questions or Matt. It's
2: great advice. <clears throat> I was going to say the way you guys felt about uh, treading water and swimming with water. Polo, that's how I felt about soccer and running.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's weird though. Like I feel like in soccer, you're not, when you're in the game, you're not thinking about how tired you are, but I feel like if I was yeah. in a pool, I would just be dying. Like,
2: yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of the same thing. You get focused on on what yeah. you know, the objective that you got rather than the, Endurance part, but no, trust me, either. Yeah, I'm sure in soccer so you guys just get gassed at some points. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we're old now; but-
3: we can't play anymore.
0: This is Dude, I I went, I played on an intramural team like three years ago, and five minutes into the game. I was so tired and I run <laughs> like I shouldn't have been, but I was like heaving and some 20 year old kid on the team runs by. is like, what's he's like, come on, man. Come on. You got to get back to the game. <laughs> I was like, I can't even like, I just walked off the field. I was like, I got to sit down or I'm going to pass out. I, I was like, this is horrible. Um, <laughs> I felt like such an old man.
3: <laughs> Wait, Steve, it says you moved to Austin, but you're going to move back to Colorado.
0: We'll see. So I've lived in Airbnbs for the last six years. When the events business took off, I started moving. So my business pre-COVID was we would have companies, coaches, entrepreneurs hold a live event. So I would move to wherever the live event was to help them negotiate the venue, fill the event. I would go around and speak. So I'd do small speaking events at like co-working spaces, stuff like that to fill the main event. And then I would run the main event for them so they could be on stage speaking. I also taught them how to speak on stage, but that required me being there. The more I was there, the better they did. I lived in Vail, Colorado. I was paying 4K for a ski side condo like ten, like I could walk out my door to the ski lift, but I was spending 200 plus days a year on the road. So I decided to start doing Airbnbs, which has been great. I love, right now I'm in Austin. I moved here. I was in Reno before here. Reno was great. I was there for about six months. I would like to be back in the mountains. We'll see though. There's uh live events have, in the last month, live events, I've been contacted by several people to help with live events. So we might be back on the road for live events. We'll see. They're
3: coming back. I think they're, we're coming back for sure. We're having at my company. We're having the first live event, I think, in a couple of years this summer.
0: Yeah, everybody is moving. Like I've like legitimately in the last two weeks, I think I've had fifteen conversations about live events, and everybody is starting to scramble for them. Well, I think they'll be hybrid for the time. Like they'll push them out on Zoom. But the I was at a live event last week, and it the people there were like so excited to be back in person. Yeah, I think we'll see them. Come back.
1: Steve, it's been amazing having you on. Just to send it out, first, how can people learn about you and look you up and potentially work with you? And then the last part, what's the mindset everyone needs to have to tackle every day to be like the people that you've interviewed, what you've learned? Like, how do they do that?
0: Sure. So, if they're, I'll just give the quick three things. The first one is you have to be okay with being uncomfortable right that's where it all starts if you just want to stay in your comfort zone and you just want to be on the couch like think about that if you want to get ripped you have to be you have to get comfortable going to the gym and it's never going to feel good like it's when you're pushing on that bench press or when you're running and you're pushing it's not going to feel great but you can train your body to in to be like this is worth what i'm doing so the first thing is be good at being uncomfortable you Like we talked about with the CEO of JP Morgan Chase, she got good at being uncomfortable and you're going to keep growing, right? The only way that you, if you stay comfortable all the time, you're never going to grow. You're never going to reach that next plateau. So be good, get good and become okay with being uncomfortable. Second thing, is the growth mindset, right? Let your ego go. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Try to take something away from every conversation. I talk to a lot of people who are getting started in business, maybe it's their first year, maybe they're at like an 80k price point, like they're they're getting there. I can still learn amazing things from talking. Whatever you're doing in your life, if you approach it from, what can I learn? How can I be curious about this? You're going to have more fun and you're constantly going to grow. When something is a challenge, instead of getting frustrated, we give it 30 seconds, be like, I'm going to feel the frustration because then your body accepts it and then be like, I'm dismissing that. What can I learn from this? What's the lesson here? Because life will keep trying to teach you the lesson until you learn it. And then you get to learn the next lesson. And the third thing is, Take responsibility. It kind of ties those two together. You just have to say, like, this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes we fail, right? Like, I, we're never going to be perfect. But if you take responsibility and you say, you know what, I this morning, I'll give a real quick example of this. I work out every morning. This morning, I had a late night last night. Um, South by Southwest is in town, which is a huge conference. I went down there. I got home later than I should have. This morning, I got up 15 minutes late, which means I had to cut my workout by 15 minutes. I said, you know what? What can I learn from this? I need to be more diligent about getting home on time. I need to, can I lay out my routine differently? And have a little grace with yourself. That's not letting yourself off the hook. And then I said, how am I going to make this up? I'm going to work out after work. I'm going to make up that 15 minutes, which is one set. I'll do it after work. Always take responsibility for what you're doing. Those would be the three things that I would say. If you can start to master those, if you can start to work those into your life and realize that it is always a journey, you will definitely start on an upward spiral. Love it, buddy. That's great. That's great. And website? Sure. If people would like to reach out to me, you can go to www.steven.stephen coffee c-o-f-e-e that will get you on my calendar and kind of tells you what i do uh, and then down at the bottom there's a calendar link uh, you can also go to ReachingMillions.co. Uh, that will kind of give you my background but there's no way to book a call or anything with me there thank you so much buddy
1: you've been listening to the free retiree show so long for now you should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.